follow us on patreon.com forward slash strange bedfellows. You will have to enter that in because the fact that we are adult content means that we have agreed to make ourselves unsearchable on their website. My name is Elle and I'm a sex educator. My name is Jen and I'm a private investigator. We want to learn more about ourselves. I'm like the boring vanilla one over here that's like, I don't do anything, but I'm, cu- I'm curious. And the fact that we're both sex workers means that we have insight into things taboo. Trigger warning, if you're easily upset by this stuff, maybe take a break. I have a feeling this is going to be weird. Sex and politics make for some very strange bedfellows. Hello, friend. Hello. How has stripping work been for you? Actually, I haven't worked that much over the last couple of weeks. I actually haven't worked in like two weeks because I've been so busy with uh, with PI stuff. Mm. However, I put in for a schedule next week because the state is late on paying me. Oh, wow. Once again. Yep. I know. Wow. <laughs> I hear Great. I hear that's a common thing. How How do they justify being late? I don't know. A lot of defense work seems to be cyclical. Like trials all seem to cluster at the same time and people, I don't know, it's it's weird. It's like there's busy times in your year. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think sometimes they just get flooded with invoices hmm. and it just takes them a while to process And it's all done things. manually. So there's no computer system clocking your hours? No, 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 no. Oh. I submit an invoice that I make myself and, and attach it to um, my funding request and send it in. And then, you know, whatever lady in the office gets it and processes it. It used to be on their website, it used to say funds are generally processed between five to 10 business days. Wow, that takes a long time. Well, now on the website, it now says funds are usually processed within 10 to 15 business days. Wow, it's getting worse. It's getting worse. (laughs) Except for one, I fear that the market's starting to get oversaturated. Everybody wants to be a PI now. People think it's like an easy thing to do. Well, I hope you're I s- prepared for 70-hour weeks because that's what you'll get with angry lawyers screaming at you and clients calling you piece of shit. Really? And, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Not everyone's grateful. But, yeah, it's just... Uh, that, see, but I still love it. That's yeah. Not it's not for everyone. It's but, not for everyone. It's definitely not easy though. If you think that it's just like work is gonna fall in your lap and like it's gonna be normal business hours, it's not. It it is your life. Like don't do it unless you want to marry it. Yeah, I can't imagine being a private investigator for defense attorneys is easy or for everyone. <laughs> Well, I, you know, I really like, I I feel like they're my people, you know, when I was in school and I was in, you know, all the different majors I had and finally setting on econ, I still never felt like those were my people. When I was, um, when I did my internship down in the Capitol, um, working for this really wonderful, um, progressive rep here, but I still didn't feel like those were my people. Like those were very... I don't, you know, political stuff. Yeah. Those are very like straight laced people. And people in politics are so weird. I mean, I like them. They're humans. I like many of them, not all of them. I like many of them too, but I'm not comfortable around. Like, I felt like it was always kind of, I was a bit off from them. Well, it's so much know? function and formality. A lot is, of that too, an image. Yeah. And really having to watch yourself and watch what you say and watch what you do because you're reflecting on your office, you know, and all right. this. Uh, I didn't really get that. But I feel like criminal defense people are are my people. We've got foul mouths. We're <laughs> most I've yet to meet. Well, all right. I don't want to make a generalization like that. I feel like a in lot of the, the attorneys that I work for seem to have <laughs> in many ways a lot in common with their clients. Maybe not. Really? Uh, class background, but um, they're raw, often very raw. Like, mm. I'm thinking like of the criminal element. If that of course makes I'm, any sense, I'm thinking of Saul Goodman from Breaking Bad. <laughs> I would, I would have got along with Saul really well. 
there's a lot like that um a greasy bastard and you just have to be a kind of you just have to be fucking gnarly you just have to be gnarly to do it i mean the stuff that you talk about you have to be fine with it i know people like there there must be cases that make you lose sleep i mean i lose sleep because i'm worried about winning them Mm -hmm. not because i don't know because the crime i don't know you just have to be able to live with that kind of work around Mm -hmm. you yeah you and i both have um confidentiality concerns with our work me with any of my consulting clients um you with all of your clients and their cases (laughs) uh and this is why sometimes i'm grateful to be a stripper (laughs) because you can honestly and I mean, stereotypes exist sometimes for reasons. And in this case, there are so many flaky, like unreliable histrionic women that I work with that are great at their jobs, but like God knows they wouldn't fit in a more conventional environment. And so when I'm throwing the F words all around at the strip club and then when you were working as an intern at the Capitol and I was uh, training to be a, a lobbyist. And so we'd bump into each other with our little sweaters. And it was so, <laughs> so difficult to be like, what's up, bitch? Like, they'll be like, right. hey, hey, ho. Um, oh, wait, we're in the daylight hours in a nice building that has pillars and carpets everywhere. And, as, you know, I had there was another little intern in the office that I was in who was a nice, like, 18 year old community college student like super go-getter and um he came in and once I got to know her it became pretty obvious that she didn't she didn't come from a family that had a mom that was like hey when you go to an office you dress like this and she was wearing like black kind of stretchy pants and and tank and like halter tops and I was like girl you cannot we were like scandalized I'm like you can't really have you can't have bare shoulders in a conservative office yeah just how it is it's how it is you show up in a certain environment sometimes and you have to look the part or it's gonna be an impediment to your success well you know also people aren't gonna take you seriously i kind of see the point too because um honestly when somebody shows up showing too much skin even if it's just shoulder skin it is distracting a lot of makeup in an office is distracting well, those a lot lights of are not per- good for it <laughs> it's definitely not good for it but it, it it is it's distracting and it feels inappropriate and just <laughs> we're just there we're there to do the job not look at your oh she wore like glitter and stuff interesting that was, that was like that would girl, stand no. out in a capital <gasps> yeah state capital office well, about halfway yeah. through she changed like i said something to her and the kind of office how is it set in what ways like because how do you approach that um I tried to be really really nice about it and just I mainly I said something about the bare arms thing I was like hey maybe maybe you don't know this because I didn't and I was like and I because I didn't know this either but you can't really have bare arms in an office and she was like when I get hot I'm like okay just bring a sweater Bring a sweater to like put over. Interesting. I don't know. Put over yourself. She, I, she was nice about it. If I had like genuine concern for a coworker and I wanted them and concern because it's like, if I like you, I want you to be successful. And again, like I knew, I knew showing up at the Capitol with like tattoos on my neck. I'm like, oh God, I'm more visible. So I have to be even better at what I do. You know, so if you're showing up and you might be dressed in a way that's way different than everyone else, then you better, it's going to work for you or against you is what I'm saying. Right. Well, actually, this girl was actually really, like, she was really competent. She was really good, like, really Hmm. good at answering emails and, like, doing her job. She just needed. Then it doesn't She just needed to look, uh, you know, it just, it wasn't that big a deal for her to scrub a little makeup off of her face put her hair in a bun and put a sweater on she could have been the best what it takes best damn assistant ever in wearing anything i guess we'll see we'll hopefully check in with her ask her how how it's going there's a yoga pants ban in a wisconsin school right now oh god well i mean similar Yeah. Yeah, yeah that is true yeah uh, the ACLU claims that the ban is still being enforced, resulting in one girl being sent home twice this summer. I'm assuming during summer school. It's the Kenosha School District. Uh, it agreed to let girls wear leggings, 
Tank tops are allowed as long as they have a strap at least one inch, 2.5 centimeters wide. Um, so that's really interesting. It says the bigger picture is that girls are being pulled out of school and losing access to education at a rate that boys aren't. Very true. Yeah, I mean, that's, I guess, is also the problem with it. It's like I can see how in an office it's distracting for women to look too, you know, too sexy is unappreciated. But what's the male equivalent? There, Well, there is no male equivalent. Because they're rarely sexy. Oh, wait, did I? <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm kidding. How about this? I don't ever want to see armpit hair off a dude. I don't ever want to see men's body hair displayed in an office. Ooh, that could be a tough one. What about neck hair? Some people have really hairy necks. Okay, neck is fine, but I don't ever want to see your armpit hair. I never want to see a man's bare legs so you in feel, an office. You feel no shorts. You feel comfortable. I want all of my, I want clothing muted while we process bureaucracy. Yes. <laughs> Actually, yes. Yeah. Well, <laughs> that is what I want. So we were talking about stripper shit. We went way off, <laughs> way off topic. Oh, and I also realized... Carpeted rooms and pillars can also apply to many strip clubs. <laughs> it's not just Capitol buildings. Uh, um, we were talking about celebrities that had come in. We were talking about celebrities that had come into the club. <sighs> I wish I worked at one of those bigger, like, our club is tiny. So we do get musicians, artists, celebrities but not on the scale that I think like a bigger yeah, we don't. famous arena club. Same would. like it's never got like movie stars or anything like that. Unless Adrian Grenier counts. Oh, that, that one guy, guy from Entourage. Oh yeah. He was such a dick. He didn't tip anybody. He only tipped one girl and he tipped her a five. That, that was, was it? it the whole night and with it that he had signed. What? I know. What a douchebag. Oh my God. <laughs> Dave oh. Chappelle came into I wasn't there, but apparently he was awesome. Oh, good. Really? Like in yeah. what way? Like that he tipped everybody. I think he came there with his wife that he just like tipped exorbitantly mm-hmm. and then left because he can't really do anything because he's Dave Chappelle and people just mob him and, you know, yeah, this is would, what I heard. That would be annoying. Um, I'm still trying I'll to leave my Kesha story for, a, for, oh, the, after, you for said, the after show. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Go on Patreon and listen to the after show uh it's gonna be a pre-show or an after show really it's it's a good one i promise unlike most of the times that i say this (laughs) and then it's it's not this one this one's good you're good at advertising (laughs) usually i'm full of shit and it's not a great story and it has no point but this one does is that what you think you have no (laughs) faith in yourself sometimes um a great way to end a story that you realize suddenly when you have like a captive audience and you realize your story is going nowhere a great way to end the story is just to be like and then i found a hundred dollars on the ground (laughs) because everyone will kind of be like relieved and just be like oh that's awesome yeah that's cool the end take that with you i like to just point and then when everyone looks like run away yeah uh i want to hear from our stripper listeners write in and tell us about celebrities that you experienced that were good or bad tippers um i specifically want to hear from strippers not sex workers because to me if you're going to a strip club it's more of a public space and it's less of an outing but if you're like i'm an escort and i had so-and-so whoever i'm not gonna share that because that could be very more deeply private right and it's also illegal and I also don't want us to get sued. So yeah, write to us, pillow talk at strangebedfellowspdx.com. Who else did I have? Uh, Patrick from the Black Keys. He put a 20 on my stage after watching for like a song. He was with a lady friend. That was cool. I was actually, <laughs> I used to dance to a lot of their older stuff, like pre-2010 music. And when they, when he and whoever else came in, it wasn't Dan, but... Uh, the DJ said to me, he's like, I'm going to not play you Black Keys songs tonight. And I said, that's totally fine because that might be obnoxious. What if we like went into a business and this podcast was playing? I would probably run out. I'd be like, I don't want to talk about this. <laughs> oh, man. Don't quote me. Um, who else did we have that was a good or bad tipper? Hannibal Burris. He threw a 20 from sitting uh, across the way on the couch 
He handed me a 20 when I walked by. He said, I might have sneaked a peek. I had two two women like wet kiss my neck on my last shift while I was giving them dances. And yeah, and it was kind of a bummer. I think one of them might listen to this show actually. And they were great otherwise. Um, But the thing that was interesting is right after she, because if she had just done it, my my first thought when anyone kisses or licks my neck or anywhere in my body is, well, my first thought is like, man, my second thought is, well, maybe they just don't know that I'm not into that. So I'm not going to assume that it's, I'm not going to like immediately become more upset about this. But she immediately said, oops, can't do that. <laughs> I was like, oh, gross. Like, you know, you're not supposed yeah, to do that. Yeah, that's not okay. Did. That's even worse. And then the second lady did something very similar. And I can't even remember because at this point I was kind of checked out. <laughs> it's like <laughs> 155. And I'm like, okay, I'm going to, I know how to say the things and I know how to move the ways I need to move, but I am not emotionally invested in this shift anymore because I'm tired and it's going okay. So anyway, I kind of disengaged, but so that was interesting. Um, I didn't have any other, any other issues with people like physically crossing a boundary and then joking about it that night. So that's kind of a bummer. And I want, um, I want women to stop doing shit like that. (laughs) Yeah. Please don't do that. You're not special. Please don't do that anymore. Please don't do that. Um, so Instagram, we had kind of touched on this briefly. Instagram hasn't been transparent about how they manage their accounts. And a couple of weeks ago, Instagram deleted me. Uh, I didn't get any reason. And then I think we were in the midst of it the last time we were talking about it. I don't remember. Um, I think it was a good solid week before they it was, sent you anything. Or- yeah, it was. So luckily, I have a really supportive following on Instagram and a ton of people. Um, re- what you do, because I've had someone ask me since, if your account gets deleted and you have a decent following, it is worth asking your friends to repost, asking followers to report a problem to Instagram. And you say, where did this account go and why? And you really want to drive home the point that if they didn't break any of the user agreements, then it would behoove Instagram to be honest and transparent about how they manage their accounts. Right. Because last year they did a wave of cannabis account deletions because cannabis is federally illegal. Um, But there was an article about one. I think I I talked about this. She was an influencer. She had 90,000 followers about and very much like cannabis education and resources and sales and cross promotion and just deleted and no no reason so I applied to Instagram all the things like here's pictures of my web hosting receipts for my website in my name Um, and it felt kind of fruitless and I was very frustrated and it was also very interesting to reconsider like how much I rely on this social app that really offers us no stability especially after FOSTA Uh, and I got one notice that said I got one notice from Instagram that said that my account had been permanently disabled for spamming and yeah um, posting repetitive posting repetitively um or spamming or trying to source likes i don't remember the exact language and i what looked fucking business account doesn't do that right and i don't abuse Co- like- hashtags or you know copy paste a bunch of people my garbage so my my heart was like it's not about losing a social media platform it's about losing a right to have a social media platform right so the very next day it was reactivated and I got a, sorry, we don't know what happened. No yes, idea. They do. Yeah. Yes, I, they do. They so know what happened. They're I know that about a, you. yeah, about a hundred people sent me screen caps showing that they had written to Instagram and I teared up a little cause I was like, Oh God, you like me. You really like me. It was my Sally field moment. Um, but it might've worked because public pressure is a thing. That sucks. What about the people that don't have that kind of reach? Like exactly. they're just erased exactly they're just erased that's it exactly yeah Yeah. there's an instagram lady uh thongria she's a sex toys and education peddler and she had a photo removed and she was wearing a strap on which she sells 
and it was kind of like a high-end fashion photo style and it was removed and then she got it re-added which is not the same as losing your entire account but she had posted something like me a white lady and all of my privilege got my account restored what about the rest of us right so that's very interesting I do honestly believe that if there was any reason I was reactivated it was probably because of a small public outcry which 100 people reporting something to a social media platform is still worth a shit because I mean to some degree they want their users to be happy so the point of the story is everyone try to try to fight back or complain <laughs> you never know um Ooh, what happened to slut walk fucking slut walk let's talk about slut walk we'll be we'll be right back attention service and sex industry workers seeking space yoga is dedicated to providing a holistic option for after your shift with new 3 a.m and 4 a.m class times seeking space is rooted in empathy and they've combined creative flows and experienced teachers to provide a safe inviting space for any and all wishing to find peace on the mat need a little motivation they are offering 10% off on all memberships and packages for those in the industry. Visit SeekingSpaceYoga.com or download the Seeking Space Yoga app for more information and a full list of class times. Passion by Kate is an award-winning resource for women and couples who crave a more intimate, exciting, and fulfilling sex life. Passion by Kate's affirming writing workshops, and one-on-one -on -one counseling help you create a new level of openness and intimacy with your partner without feeling awkward, twisting yourself into a pretzel, or spending hours a day on intimacy-building activities. Learn more and find hashtag freedom and pleasure at Passion by Kate. That's K-A-I-T dot com. Mention this podcast to receive a complimentary 30-minute counseling session when you purchase any Passion by Kate product or service. If you're looking to jazz up a jacket, bag, or just your fine self, our friends at Gimme Flare have everything you could possibly need. Gimme Flare is the largest online retailer of pins and patches that range from the cute and sweet to the snarky and slutty. They are sex positive, queer friendly, and aim to crush mental health stigma, all with fun flair from around the globe. Check out gimmeflare.com to browse items from over 250 plus artists. All right, let's bring it back. So I want to talk about Slutwalk in a minute. Jason Momoa, Momoa, whoever, called Cal Drogo. I that butchered was who, all of that. That's he, who we were talking about. Earlier, yeah, I, I wasn't there for this one, but he came into a couple years ago, or maybe now like three or four years ago because time passes quickly. Uh, and the girls working there were like, oh my God, he wore flip-flops. He was walking around headbutting people. He didn't tip anyone. He was trying to get girls' numbers. Like, uh. don't you know who I am? And I was like, ew. But also he's a douche because he's been on panels before where he, he said once that filming Game of Thrones was great because he just got to rape a bunch of hot women. Uh. I also butchered that quote, but look it up. <laughs> so speaking of rape, let's talk about Slut Walk. <laughs> so Slut Walk is an international peaceful demonstration against rape, rape culture, victim blaming that started in Canada in 2011. Uh, a mixed gender group of college students reacted to a Toronto constable saying during a uh, how to be safe speech that women could avoid being raped if they would stop dressing like sluts. Hmm. So the world had a reaction to this. That was in March of 2011. Uh, Portland slut walk has been held in 2011 and then not for two years. And then I was brought on to the new team by the original founders, Sterling Clark and Sophia St. James. And so I've been helping manage it for five years since then. So 2014, 15, 16, 17, and this year, Every year, our public gathering, which we get a permit for, our guest speakers and our subsequent march, peaceful march, we've never had incident, no arrest, no hospitalization, no, I mean, no violence to speak of except for what I'm about to tell you, which was luckily very brief. And we pay permits, usually about $1,000 to $1,100 to the city to get approved for being there for that amount of time. 
uh, for using the electricity, for getting the noise variance. We pay two to this year it was $500 to our insurance company or a insurance company event insurance in case anything goes wrong. We're not as liable for it. So every year it's gotten harder to hold this. The city doesn't get back to us. We have money in hand. We say we want to pay for the permits. The city, the cops, this year, two weeks before the event, we were told by the police that we were not going to be allowed to march because they didn't have the police resources to escort us. So Sterling and I fought as hard as we could. I spent 11 minutes on the phone with Sergeant Brett Burnham, spent some minutes on the phone with him. And he said that I don't have, we don't have the police resources. Everyone's going on vacation. I found out later that the police and the firefighters have their yearly football game. And that was on that day. Hmm. So anyway, we couldn't get any cops to escort us. Um, I said to them, there's probably going to be an issue. We always have fundamentalist Christian protesters that show up. Yay, fundies. 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 With their signs that say, God hates fags, sinners burn in hell. Um, One of them said to this, my friend helping me out, he shouted at her, you couldn't get raped if you tried. (laughs) I don't even know what that means. So they showed up. A couple of street youth actually ripped off their shirts and put bandanas on their faces and started trying to escalate a fight. And what, the, the Christian dudes yes. that showed up to protest? Yes. Okay. And I was on the other side because there's a couple hundred people and I didn't see everything. But if you did, feel free to email me and let me know what you saw. But I see a bottle go flying and hit a car. And I see fistfights. A couple of our peacekeepers, we have volunteer peacekeepers that serve as security and to form a barrier between these people. They were forming a barrier And a couple of them got water and coffee thrown on them. Our lead, Vanessa Riken, who was on the show, Vanessa got punched in the face. She was fine. She's like, I've had worse. Oh, but it's the left that's violent. Antifa, violent Antifa, whatever. Yeah. So these these kids were definitely on the left and they had started it. But the point is, is they weren't here with us. Oh, I thought the fundies started it. Oh, they antagonized it. Okay. Yeah. But the the kids who threw the first punch were the street youth that had just been there. So they weren't our attendants. I don't know. Fuck it. I, yeah. I'm not upset. No. <laughs> I was upset because I had asked for police presence there in right. the first place. So what Sergeant Brett Burnham had told me on the phone when I said, you know, I'm concerned because these guys will show up and some of their friends have a history of like, you know, attacking marginalized people like Jeremy Christian stabbed those two people on the train. He was friends with them. Uh, there was a big Max train stabbing a couple years ago that was in the news. But anyway, he was friends with those guys, Jeremy Christian. So what Sergeant Brett had said to me, he said, if there's a problem, call 911. So I ended up having to call 911 on my own fucking demonstration. <laughs> And the cops showed up quick, but our people had de-escalated it. I was so lucky that I actually went up to the kid and his friends who had ripped off their shirts. And I was like, hey, and I'm, I'm a little lady, <laughs> but I remember opening my arms up and saying, hey, hi, I'm actually an organizer of this. I get in a lot of trouble if this goes wrong. Can we please not? I understand. I hate them too. Can we just not do this here? And they actually chilled out. Um... And then the cops showed up. They're like, what? Why did you call us? So and then the cops offered to take us on. They said, are you going to march? Would you like to march? And I looked at my lead and I said, sure, we'd love that. So we got escorted for a march that we hadn't gotten approved from two weeks earlier. Why? Because I had to call 911. Well, there you go. Fucking idiot. Was hot cop there? Do you know hot cop? Yeah, he was there. <laughs> he was got, he there? No, was he, got, he, there he was one of the said, responders. Oh, okay. Wow, crazy. Any Jen shit? What's new in Jen's world besides work, work, work? I literally just work. When um, was the last time you masturbated? <laughs> I don't even remember. What's the point? <laughs> oh, no. There's my dating life. Man, let me tell you, dating in your 40s is not easy. Yeah. Because I just don't know how you meet people organically i mean i guess i could try an app um but what i hear the horror stories that i hear from my friends is that once you hit 40 on all the apps you're out of like you know how i guess they make you check what age range (gasps) you're looking for and as soon as you hit 40 your pool like your pool is drastically 
no lowered that's terrible like yeah it's like a thing i think there's even been articles written about it that they people want like 35 to 39 or like oh my god whatever and they see that big 4-0 and they get scared right and here and here's the other thing too is so men my age you've got you've got two type of two types of men that i can date there's there's divorcees you maybe that have some kids and um and that's cool. I mean, that's I would actually be okay with that, even though that's its own kind of baggage. And then sure you have is. because then you got to probably deal with the mother. You have to deal with the kids. The ex-wife becomes a problem. You know, usually I don't know. It seems like a lot. It's to, one more person to potentially have to interact with. And also, it's I think it gets harder too to like share. I don't know. It's like resource wise, you build a life with somebody, and you always acknowledge though that there's going to be another previous family that's going to have access to your resources too mm-hmm. i don't know i mean i might be wrong and i'm sure people divorce people rehook up and stuff all the time it's it's just another another layer to like navigate mm-hmm. on top oh, sure is but then you have the men that don't have kids right mm-hmm. who say they don't want kids and are bachelors but you can't trust that because what they mean like they want to put their seed in you <laughs> Well, maybe, but you know, I'm all a little too old for that. So I feel like, I don't know, like you it's date somebody there. and they're going to leave me for some 25 year old once they decide they want a kid because I can't, something I can't give, I don't want to give you, but that I also can't. That you never will. Give you, you yeah. know. So I don't know. It's looking like I'm probably just going to spend the rest of my life alone. It wouldn't really bother me that much. Like I really like being alone but so it's my birthday today and i realized today? like yeah today my and my dad died on my birthday yeah oh dude yeah it's your we, birthday today and the anniversary of your dad's and death? the anniversary of my dad's death but i don't want to talk about that okay. that's just it's, it's, that's its own horrible shit right there but on friday i was like you know i've had a really rough work week and i don't have to get up early for anything tomorrow i'm like i want to like go out do something and i realized i had no one that i feel close enough to to just call to go out off the cuff and be like hey let's go out like I just am not close enough to anybody and so I went to but I'm sitting there with my sad little fucking glass of fizzing out flat champagne um and I'm just like I'm just so much older than all these people and I was like all right sounds like you need a new venue to be in yeah because maybe like a new hobby the problem is like my hobbies are all things that i do alone Mm. like i'm a loner i don't belong to shit i don't join groups Mm. you know that makes dating hard it does Mm. i like techno i like but that you know i sit at home and play on my little drum machines and synths and stuff you need someone to techno with someone to techno with Mm. (laughs) we'll see but yeah Sorry, that's my bit bit of whiny. <laughs> that's okay. We have editing. It's too. hard, you know. Well, I, I think that there's a lesson to be had here. It's if you are the type of person I know for many years I reveled in being a loner and mm-hmm. I was like, I'm rogue, you know, I don't mm-hmm. you know, I'm independent, I don't need anybody. And you say that enough times and listen, it becomes true. Mm-hmm. You you know, you mm-hmm. live by the sword, die by the sword. If you're not the kind of person that that surrounds yourself with lots of people and is comfortable making intimate, deep connections. Just be appraised that, you know, a day will come when your phone stops ringing, you know, and it gets harder, harder mm-hmm. to change, mm-hmm. you know. So Those are good words of wisdom. You have to force yourself to socialize. I have to do it. And apparently I'm an extrovert. <laughs> so let's tell about our bad bitch in history. Ooh. Cue the bad bitch music. Josephine Baker was born in 1906 into poverty in St. Louis, Missouri, and was the child of two performers. Her parents weren't as successful as she would be, and Josephine was taking care of herself at the tender age of 13, performing in theater music, traveling acts, or dancing in the street for tips from passers-by. Can you imagine being a street-dancing black woman in (laughs) 19-whatever, 1916? 19, yeah, 16, damn. 
Josephine was a black woman at the turn of the century and typically performed for white audiences, but she became successful in the black Harlem Renaissance that occurred in the 20s and 30s and was soon dancing on chorus lines in Broadway and eventually moved to France where she became a huge performance star in Paris. So because beautiful women are often seen as non-threatening or childlike, she was a successful spy for the Allies during World War II, schmoozing and socializing the military higher-ups at European cocktail parties. She was able to entertain and mingle with German, Italian, Japanese officials. So she transported secret notes that were written in disappearing ink in her documents underwear and music papers as she traveled internationally and she was spying for the french by the way they're the ones who hired her upon returning to america in the later decade she got involved in the civil rights movements after regularly insisting to venue owners that they integrate the audience or she wouldn't perform because many audiences i think most of them were segregated at the time her fight against segregation was noticed by the naacp And in 1963, she was one of the very few people that spoke at the March on Washington for Jobs and Freedom. And she actually marched alongside Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. I didn't know that. Yeah, I didn't either. So one of the things she said when she spoke, because she traveled the world at this point, she says, you know, friends, that I do not lie to you when I tell you I have walked into the palaces of kings and queens and into the houses of presidents and much more. But I could not walk into a hotel in America and get a cup of coffee, and that made me mad. Baker ended up adopting 13 children from different countries and called her family the Rainbow Tribe, which was a testament to her belief that the world should come together and live peacefully despite cultural differences. She died in 1975, shortly after she gave her last stage performance for a sold-out crowd where she received a standing ovation. Yeah. <laughs> Sometimes I, when I'm writing these, when I'm lo- I'm looking for people, and then I end up writing them and I tear up at the end. Oh. <laughs> also, it makes me feel like I should do more with my life. Uh, <laughs> but I've done I've done enough. But it makes me want to do more, and I think that's the point is being inspired. So, how about some listener questions? All right. Want to read the first one? Sure. No matter how attractive I find someone, it's really hard for me to get wet when I'm in bed with them. Should I see a doctor? No. How hard are they trying to get you wet? (laughs) Well, I want to know. Ooh, so you bring up a point that maybe you're just not having a good physical response because they're not yeah, maybe physically like stimulating you well. I mean, we don't really have a lot of information here, but like how long are they spending on foreplay? Some people, yeah. I yeah, I think the average time to get going, uh, I don't want to quote that, but foreplay for cis women, um, I think 11 to 20 minutes is a good reported amount of time that people like to spend. 11 to 20 minutes. From like initiation to to before, I'm assuming penis goes in vagina because that's how we usually I mean, we label foreplay as the things that come before the dick goes right? in the pussy. I mean, unless someone comes upon you when you're already in a state, right? We need a, <laughs> need to warm up the engine <laughs> a little bit. Well, it's not you even know? The, the engine, but like warm up the computer too. All cars have computers in them at this point. My computer is my brain. You know, you could be touching all <laughs> over my body. But if, like, I just scrub shit stains out of the toilet and picked up your dirty underwear, like, I'm probably not going to see you as this whatever, you know, you're not going to be, like, this arousing figure because I'm still contextually somewhere else. So this is why I tell my boyfriend, like, pick up around the house. The sex will be better. (laughs) Um, But, like, a lot of people genetically just don't lubricate very much. And that's just your baseline. Just like some people lubricate a lot and that's normal for them too and then many of us are kind of in the middle where it's like sometimes not all the time um could be your medication especially if you're taking any allergy medication um oh yeah that dries or antidepressants right too will do it mm-hmm. as well won't it mm-hmm. lots lots of medications um Actually, when you start anything, no matter what it is, if it's blood pressure, I would specifically ask your pharmacist and your doctor, say, do you know if this has any sexual side effects? 
because I think that they don't hear that very often. And that's something that people need to start considering in their research uh, or at least mentioning to their patients because a lot of doctors and pharmacists, yeah, they're not going to ask if you don't bring it up. A lot of people don't bring it up. Uh, And that's why lube exists. Get some lube. Get some good. There you go. Yeah. Try some water-based lube first. Look for stuff without glycerin or parabens in it because that irritates a lot of vaginas. Uh, Sugar-free. Look for something that doesn't have any sugar in it. You want to make sure it actually is a water-based lubricant and not something that's like edible lotion. Don't put anything that says lotion in your pussy ever. Yeah. So no, you, I mean, you can see a doctor, but I don't know what they're going to tell you besides everything I might've just told you. (laughs) Let me know if you see a doctor, but I don't think you need to. I am in a heteronormative presenting relationship and my partner is a cis male and I'm a queer woman with desires that leave me back to needing physical interaction with a femme bodied person. However, I'm still navigating how to talk about this with my partner. And if her only answer truly is to just have a poly relationship, I am not interested in that. Hmm. Well, you know, you can watch pornography and masturbate like I do because I'm in that boat. You know, I'm in a hetero relationship. I'm not hetero. He's he's pretty hetero. Um. I have the option of dabbling and so does he, but that's not yours and that's totally fine. So I think what part of the question might be here is how do I, how do I rectify feeling like only part of my sexuality is being addressed at this time in my Mm. life? Because I feel that way quite often. And honestly, the the only thing I keep landing on is this is where I am in this phase of my life. Um, If I never have sex again with another woman, it would really, really bum me out, but that's not my reality. Um, I know that the odds are in my favor unless I die tomorrow. Like hopefully, hopefully sometime in the rest of my life, another woman will find me appealing because I don't want to just fuck cis dudes either. But if this is the phase you're at in your life then that's it and you can watch porn and jerk off and fantasize um, and you can find a shirt that says, Femmes are invisible. <laughs> Let me know if you find a shirt. I want to make a shirt that says visible femme, actually, because when I go out and if there's like one obviously gay lesbian person at the table, everyone's going to refer to them for gay stuff. And that's fine. But I don't even feel comfortable talking, like speaking up because I don't No one would consider me that person. Right. You know what I mean? We actually were out at a bar the other day and one of the women who by her own history is like the most straight of us. And she's like, Oh, there's a babe over there. And I said, you should go talk to her knowing full well that she won't. And, um, the, our lesbian counterpart, like short hair, leather jacket, motorcycle lesbian. And, and she knows this. She's like, Oh shit, I'll go talk to her. And I said, well, you would be the one everyone would expect to go talk to her. And then I realized I was like, Oh yeah, I don't think people realize I like women. (laughs) So you're just going to have that role in many of your circles. And that's just how it is. Hey friends, do you get sore muscles or stiff joints like us? How's your skin? Is it dry, itchy, irritated, bruised, or sunburned? If so, it sounds like you need some Nabalm in your pocket. Nabalm, that's N-A-E-B-A-L-M, is an all-natural skin and body balm handmade right here in Portland. Nabalm products use a base of organic olive oil and beeswax, followed by an infusion of therapeutic essential oils, each of which provides all sorts of benefit. Oh yes, and they smell amazing. To learn more, check out nabalm.com or search Nabalm on Facebook or Instagram. Do you have sex questions? Do you want help learning new techniques, communicating with a partner, opening a relationship, or exploring kink? Sex and intimacy coach Stella Harris can help. Visit her office in Portland or connect via Skype to take your intimate life to the next level. Learn more and schedule at www.stellaharris.net or follow her on Instagram at Stella Harris Erotica. All right, welcome back to Strange Bedfellows. So there was a woman recently who said some horribly racist shit did yeah, you see that video she, yeah she became the subject of this video which has gone um 
viral, at least in the Portland area. And I think it's gotten some national coverage as well. It made did. It, made it onto Reddit. Um, basically, I, I don't know what happened. There's an altercation in a parking lot. And this girl is uh, seeing, screaming at another girl that maybe she shouldn't call the cops because she might be illegal or something. It's just, I don't know, some really pathetic. Yeah. She uh, says, you might want to make shit. sure your parents are legal. Um, oh, and they probably work for dirt <laughs> is what she said. Yeah. And I think the women were Asian. It, I mean, it doesn't matter, but I remember one of them saying on the video, she says, is this real life? And the other one says, wow, this is what I have to put up with in Portland. So that was in Portland. Anyway, I mean, this bitch is getting dragged all over the internet now. And it turns out that, um, she has, a lot of people recognize her as working in the Portland stripping industry. As a matter of fact, I think she was on the cover of Exotic at one point. Oh, was that she? Someone found um, an oh, Exotic wow. that she was in. Oh, wow. But it's like people have just used this as an excuse to fucking tear on strippers. Mm-hmm. Exotic too. is the industry I, magazine around here for anyone who doesn't live here. I used to work for them. Our next, our guest, Teresa Dark Lady, used to write for Exotic back in the day, too. Oh, okay. So it might be interesting to talk about that. Yeah, I'm looking at a meme of this woman. It says, too good to work in dirt shows anyone her butthole for a dollar. So. Yeah, that's not fair. Like, what does that, what does that have to do? Right. But that was, that's an example of the shit that was circulating. And so you have all these strippers and sex workers that are like, holy shit, I'm feeling so attacked. Look at all these microaggressions. Look at all these triggers. Um, I know. And it kind of puts me in this awkward position where I don't I don't want to defend this woman. No. Like she did something crappy. However, like leave the sex industry thing out of it. That has and the, oh, you know what really pissed me off? And people were talking about. So she's driving. She couldn't be, even be that good a stripper if she's driving a Honda. Oh my god! Or a Hyundai. Hyundai. A Hyundai. Yeah, that's it. She was driving a Hyundai. That, that's why it was relevant. The but if she was Asian, wa- because but, they're like you're driving an Asian car, <laughs> right? But they sent. But it's not like a BMW, right? Who but gives, but if I'm, she was driving a BMW, then you would say that she was being irresponsible. Look at the typical right. stripper pissing their money away. It's like right. you can't. Right. This is why I never, <sighs> ever tell people what I make because if it, it'll either be too high and they won't think I deserve it or it'll be too not low a, too and they'll low. think you suck. Right. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So this woman was way out of line. But of course, people went to the horror phobic slut shaming first and then just kind of forgot about the racism because like, oh, she's a stripper. Yeah. yeah. I knew they're all trashy. I knew it. I knew um, they were all garbage because one person represents all of us. I, you know, and things like this, I often wonder, like, it seems like because and I felt this way, too, whenever they've had like sidewalk Sally and permit Patty and all those people. I mean, there's a, usually a brief moment where I want to fucking rip these people to shreds. And then I get even madder when they'll usually end up going on a talk show and being like that. That wasn't me. Mm. That's not who I am. And they'll like be like, sorry, but not but not really mm. give a, a good apology. And I've often wondered, like, what? What is the point, like, what everyone wants to happen to these people? Well, people and love a shit show. They do. Mm-hmm. Um, but I guess I would just love to see, instead, you know, in lieu of this having this woman having her life ruined, I guess I just wish just one of these people would make a genuine apology mm-hmm. and then tell us how they're going to make it better and then do it. Not, that's not me, not like, I'm sorry, I, I would never do this, but you did. Mm-hmm. But just like face it head on and with grace and mm-hmm. apologize and say, and this is how I'm going to be better and like mm-hmm. be accountable to that. Yeah. Her mom issued just a statement. Well, her home address was posted. Oh, her mom issued a statement? Her mom issued a statement saying that that's not who she is and that she's actually from Alaskan native descent. But I mean, well, she, that, but that is who she. <sighs> yeah. I think the best thing that mom could have said is. I'm really sorry. My daughter wasn't raised that way. She's not a racist person, but she said some racist things in order to upset the people she was interacting with. That would be the best excuse I could think of. Like call. I know know it's not okay, but it'd be like me knowing that I'm wrong and calling you a whore. Right. Or someone using another slur to trigger I would, an angry I would response. leave out the explanation of oh, why I would she too. did it and instead of that and say, um, and, you know, maybe uh, we need to remind her that she comes from. Right. People, you know, right. from from 
Native people, people and color. we're going to try to do a better job. And even if you don't, the future. you look like a white chick with a fake tan. Why is it always the <laughs> fucking old Greg white girl? again? It's always the white girls with the fake tans that are saying the she's most gonna, racist shit. She's going to take you to a club where people wee on each other. We. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> so oh. on the flip side, there's this rad book that I found called Ways That Mamas Love Their Babies. And it was written by a sex worker advocate and I believe former sex worker. It says that in her bio. I admit before I clinked on the link, I was like, Jesus fucking Christ. Here we go. Talking about some kids. But this is pretty cool. By Juniper Fitzgerald and Elise Peterson. So it's mostly a picture book. And it, it's, it's a story that children can, can totally read and parents can appreciate. I bought one. I haven't showed it to daughter yet because if I if I present it like, look at this thing, she'll be like, I don't care. She finds it on her own. She'll be interested. But the book serves to remind that while every mama's work looks different, every mama works to make their baby's world better. So it's cool. Um, it's like some mommies wear uniforms. Some of them have special shoes. <laughs> special shoes. Heels. It shows heels in a pole. It says some mamas dance all night long for work. It's hard work. It's for really, work it is hard work yeah so that was cool so, that is really cool mm-hmm. and contextually so you know it 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 wouldn't be like some mamas touch dicks <laughs> you know <laughs> because contextually how do we explain things like yeah some mamas touch buttholes too they're the people giving you your colonoscopy <laughs> <laughs> so some people do all kinds of work but by juniper fitzgerald how mamas love their babies so with that, thank you, everybody. Thank you to those who support us on Patreon so we can make some coffee money every month. Uh, check out our after show. It's just a dollar. Until next time. See ya. See ya. For more Strange Bedfellows, check us out on patreon.com forward slash strange bedfellows and become a supporter for access to behind-the-scenes material and extra content. My name is Elle Stanger, and you can find me at stripperwriter.com and on Instagram at stripperwriter. And my name is Jen. You can reach me on strangebedfellowspdx.com.